How you guys doing today? Awesome. Yeah, I'm doing okay. <laughs> Been a weird couple weeks. So, hey, have you guys ever heard the term weathering? Not, <laughs> you don't have to respond to every question. Some are <laughs> rhetorical. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, weathering is um, not weathering something, but a, pro- a process. It's a geographical process. You see what I did there? That's science. So I'll show you what it is. It's the long-term effects, this is the Todd version, of wind, water, storms, weather over an environment, ready, over a long period of time. Okay? Make sense? Some of your pictures I'm going to show you. Watch this. Check this out. That's, yep. There we go. Look at that. <clears throat> so this, um, that looks pretty, pretty tenuous to me. So you got a giant rock. At one point, this was, would be like a mountain, right? Like a cliff. And over time, it's hard to believe. And the sand and the wind and storms and the rain and all those things, eventually what happens is you end up with this thing. This huge piece tenuously standing on this narrow base because it had been eroded, right? Its foundation had been eroded. Got it with me? All right, let's look at a tree. Do you know weathering can happen to trees? You did. Good science. Look at this. Now, I like this picture because, believe it or not, does that tree look dead or alive? Yeah, there's a little bit. It's, yeah, it, it's alive. That tree's alive. But what's interesting about this is not only has it affected its look, right? It's got no leaves. Its shape is even different right? It's curving away from life. You notice that? It's curving away from the green side. It's, it's doing everything it can to survive, but he said it. It's just got a little bit of life left. It's not, it's not really thriving. I'm going to be honest with you guys. Sometimes I feel weathered. Do you ever feel weathered? I feel so weary and tired from the trials and the struggles and the battles and the stress and the frustration, and the drama, whatever other words you want to put in there. But man, if there was a strong wind that could come, I'm going down. Or the tree, right? I'm alive, but I'm not thriving. It's more than tired, if you feel that. That's what I'm saying, right? That's why we have words like weary. You know that? Why do we have words like weary? Because human existence, we know that there's something more than just tired. It's deeper than that. I think we've all experienced this at one time or another. And some of you are feeling weary and weathered right now. Right? Some of you feel dry and tired and shaped. Right? Life and circumstances have shaped you a certain way right now. It's made you act a certain way. And you know what's really scary? Sometimes it's happened so long and you've accepted it as reality that you don't even care anymore. Because at least you're still alive. You've given up on thriving. Maybe you feel like the, the rock. Like I said, you're, you're on a base, right? I've got my foundations on Jesus. That's true. That's good. But man, it's real narrow. It's real narrow. And you're not sure how much longer you can stay standing. If you're like me, it's in moments like this that... I have this clash within my head. Because on the one hand, I hear God's words and his promises. And then on the other hand, I have my experiences, and they seem to contradict each other. Right? So for instance, Matthew 11, 28 and 30, we all know it. You'll, we'll say it. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. All of you take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am gentle and humble in heart. 
and you will find rest for yourselves. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Huh. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. We say it, it sounds beautiful. But somewhere for me, I don't know about you guys, in between burdened and weary and coming to him, something's happening because the yoke doesn't feel easy. My burden doesn't feel any lighter. In Isaiah chapter 40, verses 29, I'm sorry, 28 and 29, the prophet tells us that, Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. So what if he's not? Right? That's the way I feel. Or I start to go, okay, God, I get it. You're going to give me enough to, to survive, but not to thrive. And i got to be okay with that. But then I feel like if that's the case, I feel lied to. I'm on, if I'm honest with you. I feel like something's wrong. Did God lie to me? Well, the answer is no. I don't believe that. I believe in him. He's good. So if he didn't lie to me, then it's got to be something I'm not doing right. Or something that I'm doing wrong. Or, like some of you in this room, sometimes it's, some, it's something someone else is doing wrong. Right? It's their fault. It's your fault I'm weathered. It's your fault I'm weary. You, you, you. And maybe it is. Sometimes I'll even get irrational thoughts. Maybe you guys can understand that. You go, okay, so if God doesn't lie, I'm doing something wrong. I've already asked him. Then, then maybe, am I even saved? Do I even have this Holy Spirit? Does anyone? I mean, just it starts taking you down crazy places. See, so what most of us do is we don't think about it. We will say these things to us and they become platitudes. You know what a platitude is? I'm a words guy. A platitude is a saying that becomes said so much that it loses its meaning. It doesn't mean anything. It's just fancy, pretty words. So, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. How many of you feel like you have rest? How many of you truly go to him? Do you even know what that means? See, that's, that's eerie, isn't it? You can accept a platitude. I taught you this new word, right? This, this thing to be true, and you don't have a clue what it means, but everybody pretends they do. And so we fall into this thing that I'm not very good at for very long, and you guys will see my cracks. I can't play the masquerade very well. I can't play the game because I'm not in it for that. I'm in it for I believe this. I believe this. I'm not here so I can be the head of the PTO or PTA, whatever. I'm not in this so that I can put it down on my hobbies when I run for office that I'm a part of a church. I am in this because I believe it to be true. And if I believe it to be true, then it all has to be true. But yet it doesn't feel true. I feel weathered. I feel tired. I feel scared. Do you ever feel that way? The last couple weeks, for me personally, I've said this before, and it keeps, so if you've been here a while, you've heard me say this in sermons, so you're gonna, I'm going to be transparent with you that it's the same pattern for me. I just keep marching. That's what I do, right? I'm a soldier. I'm, a, I'm an athlete. That's what I do. I suck it up, and I finish. But then my body starts betraying me, Right? I'm tough, like I handle stress, but anxiety is not stress. Have you ever noticed that? Anxiety is a, is a state of being that comes from being highly stressed. 
And even though Todd's mind is like, I'm going to keep going, Todd's body's like, no, you're not. I'm going to figure that out. We're going to stop, right? And then I start getting fearful because that's what anxiety leads to. It leads to fearful thoughts. And then fearful Todd, if you don't know me well, is not Todd. It's not me. And before I know it, I'm not only is it not me and how I feel, I'm spilling out stuff on people that isn't me. And so I look to God and I get so mad and I have this mixture sometimes of wanting to cry, believe it or not, or I want to punch something. That's my typical MO. But I can't, but well, I'm not going to punch God, okay? That would not go well for me, even if I could. And secondly, right, I don't want to cry, at least in front of all of you, so what do I do? <sighs> something has to be wrong and it's not on God's end. And I have to accept that. And listen. I'm going to give you a newsflash, a preview of as we continue on. It cannot be on God's side. God is perfect. You believe that? God is all-powerful, all-good, all-knowing. It is not on his side. So this is where we have to remember what faith is. Faith is not dictated by feelings. Listen to me. Your faith cannot be dictated by your feelings or it isn't faith. Faith is trusting and believing, you ready for this, despite feelings. It has to be. Otherwise, it's not faith. It's a carrot on a string, right? I feel it, so I go forward. I go forward to get the carrot. But what happens if you never get the carrot? Remember those cartoons? No one? I'm really old. Anyway, yeah. Faith means I walk and know that if I don't get the carrot, God is going to provide for me. Why? Because of everything who he is, everything I just said, and who I am to him. We can find comfort. I'm not going to leave you here, guys, because I didn't leave myself here. So I'm not going to leave you in all that, that mess I just described, because I could walk off right now. That'd be pretty depressing. <laughs> Listen, you know what I find in comfort? I'm a weird guy. I find comfort in the fact, this is going to seem odd, it's kind of backwards, that God didn't tell me that I'd never be anxious. That makes me feel better. Did you know that? How do I know that? I'll tell you how I know. Because it's filled with encouragement not to give up. Stay with me. Not to give up. Not to grow weary and not to be anxious. Why would he say that over and over and over unless he knew that in this world, remember this, you will have many troubles. That it's going to lead to us what? Being anxious, tired, weary. That he has to remind us of the truth in the midst of all of these lies, of all the things that we're walking in the midst of. He has to tell us, do not be weary. That gives me hope. Because my God doesn't lie to me. Lying would be like, if you follow me, you never have hope. That's why all the other religions eventually fall short. Because the promise something that isn't reality. If you do X, Y, Z, you will never have pain. If you do X, Y, Z, you will never have sadness. If you do X, Y, Z, you can overcome emotions and become an alien that flies to the sky. There is a religion that believes that. Very famous people like it. Hint, hint. God doesn't do that. God tells us the truth. And then he empowers us to live in that truth. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't. Like, even as I speak to you, I don't know, I'm having this, like, weird little pain right here. It's probably anxiety. You know, I don't know. I'm, I'm learning what this stuff is. It feels like a heart attack. I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> so if I fall, remember I said that, nurse. All right? What happened to him? He said he was having a heart attack. Um, God would not have needed to constantly remind us of these things unless he knew that the world, with all of its trials, struggles, stressors, etc., would lead to anxiety, fear, and weariness. And so today, listen to me. I want us to have something specific. 
to cling to when we feel worn, eroded, weary, and weathered. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Hebrews, starting in chapter 12, right at the very beginning. 1 to 3. I'll be reading, um, I'm going between the HCSB and the ESV, so just try one of those two. (laughs) This is the HCSB. Now, before I tell you, you guys know I love to give you context. I don't like just picking verses out and then using them. That seems silly. The book of Hebrews, we don't know who the author is. There's a lot of guesses. Could have been Luke. Could have been Priscilla. Ladies out there, you want to know? Some say it was Priscilla, the Priscilla from the Bible. We don't know. What we do know is that they were writing to primarily Jewish Christians. Meaning, how does that go together, Todd? Jewish by nationality who had converted and believed that Jesus was the Messiah. And what was happening is the entire book of Hebrews is discussing it because we can gather from it that they are under heavy, heavy persecution. Heavy persecution. And so in the midst of it, we find out that they're doing some of the right things, but they're forgetting some essential truths, so they're sort of trying to rely on themselves. And because of that, they're finally falling apart. They're breaking down. They're about to give up. And so there's a call here in the midst of persecution in these trials, a call to respond, right? A a remembrance, whoever the writer is, to remind them of the truth. So here we go. Remember I told you they're being persecuted. I've already described a bunch of that. Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every weight and sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that lay before him endured a cross and despised the shame and has sat down at the right hand of God's throne. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, remember persecution, so that you won't what? Grow weary and lose heart. Before I continue, pain is subjective. I'm always a believer in that. I don't like when someone says, you know, so you ever heard someone say, I'm really hurt? And they're like, you don't know what pain is. I had to walk 12 miles in the snow backwards with my eyes closed. You know, those kinds of things. Pain's subjective. However, it is important to know some context here. These people were being killed. <laughs> they were under daily stress, the type that we, we, well, maybe we are nowadays. But heavy, heavy persecution and stress. So do you think platitudes are going to make them feel better? Remember what I told you that is? Sayings, hey, Keep on keeping on, right? No, of course not. They needed real empowered truth. So today I'm going to keep it fairly short and sweet. Also so that if I have a heart attack, I'm off the stage. I'm going to tell you the what to do when weary and weathered. And we're going to use this verse as something specific to cling to. What to do when weary and weathered. So number one, remember your mission. What do I mean by that? Listen to this first verse. Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us. Witnesses to what? Witnesses to what? People are looking at you in your life saying, is this real? You call yourself this, is this this real? What do they see when they look at you? Do they see someone who talks the talk but never walks the walk when the pressure is applied? Let me tell you something. I am overcome with this lately. You're not going to show me your faith when things are good. 
Some of you in this room, you're doing great because life is great. But every time life comes hard, you're like that rock. You start teetering because the reality is you've not come to the place where you're willing to walk it out. When the people around you, you don't like them. They're mean. They're rude. They smell funny. They look funny. They don't look like you. Whatever else it is, you're unwilling to go there because it makes you uncomfortable. Then you've already forgotten the mission. And when you do that, then it becomes a game. Like, I'm better than them, so I'm doing fine, Lord. What happens when you meet the person doing better than you? Because you will. You have to remember that people are watching you. Does anybody, does one person know you're a Christian? You're like, I don't have any friends. Some of you, that's what you say, right? Well, you got a husband or wife. They know you're a Christian. Boyfriend, girlfriend, uncle, brother. Somebody knows. And if you say that you're a Christian, then they are watching you. Because they don't want platitudes. They want to know if something is real. And the reality is shown, right? Jesus talks about, God talks about this throughout the New Testament, right? He says, listen, I'm going to find out what you are in the fire. When the heat's applied, I'm going to see which one of you is gold and which one of you is not. Does that mean he makes the fire happen? Sometimes you've got to refine us, right? But sometimes it's life. And the faithfulness, our faith, the genuineness of our faith shows itself in our response. Does that mean sometimes you fake it? To the person around you, you better believe it is because that's love. Truth is, the last couple days, even right now, I'm probably too, I don't want to be nice. I'm real worried about my heart attack, okay? That's the truth, right? That's how irrational it is. But sometimes I, like, in the moments, if I'm self-focused, I don't care about the mission. But when I care about the mission, then my stressors seem small. I'm reminded of what I'm doing. And why I'm doing it. And the fact that there are people watching me. Do you understand, guys? That there are people watching you right now. Not even the ones that know, the people that don't know Jesus. I promise you this because I was this person. Who are saying to themselves, is this who he is? Is this who he is? It's just a game. Because Todd, right? Todd's having a rough time going through it, and I'm telling you right now, I handle it better than he does. I just go to my bottle. Why would I ever go to him? Why would I ever go to this Jesus? Faith is walking it out when you don't feel like it. Why? Because of the people watching you, partly. Remember the mission. People are watching you. Who are you showing? And what kind of faith are you displaying? Well, Todd, I'm not perfect. Nope, but you should try to be. Number two is to get rid of dead weight. Get rid of dead weight. No, I'm not talking about your girlfriend and boyfriend necessarily. All right? I'm certainly not talking about your spouse. All right? No. Listen. What does he say here? He says, let us lay aside every weight and sin that so easily ensnares us. Whew. What's a snare? It's another word. Trap. Many times we become weathered under the weight of the anxiety, fear, shame, and condemnation of sinful patterns and actions, guys. It's not popular to talk about. Some of you are stuck in sin. You're not stuck in sin because you're powerless. You're stuck in sin because you're choosing to be. And the reality is, how do I know that? You're going to love this play on words I did. Jesus says that sin leads to death certainly he meant 
If we die in our sins, right, we're dead. But he also means that sin, what is sin? Sin is both the nature, the reason we need Jesus. He's got to fix us from the inside out. But it's also all the sinful patterns that come out of that. It's the things we do that what? Go against what he tells us to do and aren't what he tells us to do. When you don't do what Jesus tells you, when you don't do what God tells you to do, make no mistake about it, you are disobedient and you are sinning. If you do things that God says not to do, you are disobedient and you are sinning, period. Your justification might work with your buddy, your friend, your cute boyfriend, girlfriend, your wife or husband. It does not work with a holy God. Nor does your justification protect you from the consequences of that sin. You know that? And because you are a new creation... You can't live in old patterns. It's like a fish on water. I mean, on land. Water, that's silly. It's like a fish on land, right? That's what it is. A Christian living in sin is like a fish trying to breathe on land. You can't do it. You might stay alive for a little while, but you're not thriving. Well, Todd, I don't do any of the bad sins. I don't. I already got you. I got you right there as a trick. Your bad sins... According to who? Me? You're probably right. According to Jesus, you will fall woefully short. Are you hateful? Are you arrogant? Are you bitter? Are you controlling? Todd, that's not sinful. That's just being a type A personality. That's what I used to tell myself. (laughs) You try to force everyone around you to do what you want. Worship me, not God. That's what it is when you control. You become the authority. And so... Here's a problem, controllers, because I know we got some in the crowd. What you'll tend to do is you'll tend to manipulate, hurt, take away, stonewall, do whatever you can to force people to go your way. That's not good. So even then, regardless, and some of you are trapped in deeper, and what I mean is, I don't want to say darker sins, but they're sins that are more obvious. You can't do that forever and think you're going to not be weathered. God knows what's best for us and tells us that sin leads to death. It's exhausting to try to keep walking under that weight. Listen, we become weary of hiding. You know who you are. You're tired of hiding. I was there. I was there. Been there many times, but I was there big time, 2013. I had hid. I'm telling you guys, if you looked at me, I was like a zombie. I know, it's even worse than now. It's hard to believe. But I was. I was tired. I was so tired, but I thought, right, I thought if I did it my way, if I did it my way, I could fix it all. I already, there's another sin. <laughs> my point is, true freedom and healing only comes when you stop hiding. So get rid of dead weight. Also, sometimes, guys, it means it's not just sin, it's also dead weight from your past. Sometimes people have sinned against you, and it's wrong, and it's been so wrong and hurtful. And truthfully, I want you to understand, there's going to come a reckoning for them. Did you know that? That they'll have to give an accord for what they've done before God. They'll have to stand before him. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. You are his child. He'll take care of that. But listen, in the meantime, some of you are still carrying weight from that. You're letting it define you. You're letting it crush you. You think about it all the time. You obsess over it. You wonder what if. What ifs are miserable dead ends? Because what ifs can never change what ours. You know, what is. Laying it aside, because I don't want this to be a platitude for you, because it's like, that sounds great. Until I started thinking, okay, 
cool. What does it mean? Lay aside involves what? A decision and an action. You understand? You can't just say, yes, I'm going to do that. Cool. That's like me saying, yes, I'm going to walk to the door. i got to walk to the door. You have to make a decision and you have to action. Let it go. I'm not even, literally, let that go. If it's away from your past, let it go. Every time that thought comes, let it go. Every time that pain comes, let it go. Every time that thought comes, let it go. Yeah, I repeated myself. Or sin, kill it. I'm not going to tell you what to do, guys. I'm not the guy that thinks you got to go tell every single person in the world your sin. That's silly. It's you, God. And some, Do I think there's times you got to confess it to people? Absolutely. But you got to do something. What are you willing to do to kill it? Because it's killing you. Number three, keep our eye on the prize. Keep your eye on the prize. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. When we live out of an eternity mindset, it helps make the tough times now easier to walk through. You understand? Whether you're young or old, your time on this earth is very limited. That's a different day. But when you have an eternal mindset, you want, you want some good news? Who wants some good news? All right, if you're in this room and you know Jesus, the rest of you want good news, you're just tired, don't want to raise your hand. I'm okay with that. Listen, if you're a Christian, you've already won. You understand that? I'm, I'm not, that, that's, that, that, remember I told you, I'm crazy, I believe all this. You've already won. You have a prize waiting for you. Jesus himself said, I am going to make a place for you in my father's house. I got a room waiting for me. I hope it's got a big screen TV. No, right? I I got a room waiting for me. So do you. Does that mean that the things of this world don't hurt? Guys, I'm not going to tell you that. That's a lie. But I know this. What's to come is far better than what is. It's kind of like the, lag le- the last leg of a race. Any of you been racers in here of any kind? No? Like four. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> yeah. Okay, whatever. If you see it on TV, you've watched the Olympics. It's like the last leg of a race. When we see that finish line, you know their fastest lap is almost always the last one. Tell me how crazy that is. They're dead tired. You ever ran a race? Of, I'm thinking like the, 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 the 400 or whatever, the 1600, whatever, right? You're running a lap. You've ran three of them, right? You've ran three. You got nothing left. If you've ever ran a mile on a track, it's exhausting. And the last lap comes, and all of a sudden, they start flying, and you're kind of mad at them because you're like, where was this the whole race? That's happened to me when I was racing someone. I was like, I've got this. All of a sudden, they start flying. I'm literally mad. This just happened with Brandon and the other day in conditioning stuff, right? He soaks it up. I'm beating him last leg. He sprints all the way to the front. Where were you doing the whole time? Anyway, <laughs> all right, here's my point. My point is this. We don't slow down when we see the finish line. We turn it up, and we put our eyes on that prize. We get that second win that enables us to finish because we know what? That across that line is the glory of finishing. Right? That's why we love those marathon things where the person's shaking and using the bathroom on themselves. And why do they finish? Why do they finish? (laughs) That's what they do. They finish. They. (laughs) Have you not seen it? Uh, anyway, go look it up. It, no one see what I'm talking about? Okay. Yes, thank you. That wasn't a dance. It's a stinky leg. Anyway, uh, listen, at the end of the day, why do they do that? They aren't going to win. 
They didn't win. There is a glory that comes with finishing. Now, here's the amazing thing that our Father has said that it matters how we run the race. Did you know that? Oof, I got goosebumps. That's Holy Spirit. Now, stay with me. We all, you know, if you put your faith in Jesus, you're going to heaven. You're going to be with him or he's coming to you, right? That's the way it's going to end up being. You're going to be with him for eternity. You're going to get that new body. You're going to get all the promises. But here's the thing. He also wants you to know that the way you run the race right now matters. How do I know that? Because he said, I want to run the race. Paul talks about this, so I get the crown. I want to run the race, so I get the prize. I want to run the race, so he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's what we do in the moments when life feels weary and tired and exhausting and eroding. We finish the race with endurance. When I hear that, that reminds me of that last leg, right? Brandon on that last sprint after he trying to make me look bad because he didn't push it the rest of the time. Anyway, he went hard, right? He finished. And I finished, by the way. Number four. Keep your eye on the prize. But number four, this is so important. Follow the leader. Keep your eyes on Jesus, perfect of our faith, who endured a cross and despised the shame and has sat down at the right hand of God's throne. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself. Why would you consider him? So that you won't grow weary and lose heart. Follow your leader. I cannot tell you the times that I feel beat up, down. I'm about to cry now. I want to I quit, and I remember my God. I remember Jesus saying to his best friends, would you pray with me because I'm to the point where I feel like I can't do what I'm supposed to do. They didn't, by the way. They fell asleep. He's sitting there pleading with the Father, take this cup away. I don't want to do this, but your will be done. And he did it. He let them hit him. He let us hit him and spit on him. He faced persecution we can't believe. He constantly faced the weather around him, the circumstances, the wind, the storm. But you know what? Jesus was never weathered. He did not change. Now here's where it gets crazy. The Bible literally says, it's either a platitude or it's true, that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead resides in you. And if that's the truth, then you have the ability, right, to finish the race, to keep moving, to keep loving. He loved, I want you to consider that, that he loved all the way to the cross. It's one thing, I mean, he could have just drug it up, looked at us and spit at us on the way up, right, and we'd have felt fine. But while he was hanging on the cross, a man that hours earlier had mocked him, spit on him, said, oh, you're the son of God. The man then says, please remember me in your kingdom. And Jesus shows him love. Today you will be with me in paradise. Follow your leader. Do what he did. What did he do? When he felt overwhelmed and overcome and weathered, he prayed. Do you pray? You know, there's a statistic. I wish I'd looked it up. If I was prepared, I would have told you, but I didn't know I was going to talk about this. You know how many Christians don't pray? I bet you if I could put a lie detector on you and ask how many of you prayed in the last week, you'd be shocked at the percentage. Because what happens is it's not that you don't love God. It's that it becomes a platitude. You forget prayer is literally an interaction between you and the Father, the living God, the great I am. He prayed. He loved. Who? He loved his Father. But he also loved other people constantly. You know, I never had, when P- Jesus was on his way, this always, this always 
impacts me. I've, I've preached on this before, but I love this story. So Jesus is on his way. Some people come. By the way, people that hate him. Okay, Roman soldier. Hey, come heal. Come heal my, my daughter. She's dying. She's dead. He's on it, or she's dying. He's on his way there. Somebody grabs him, says, stop. Jesus looks over. You know what I would have done? Listen, I'm in a hurry. I got things to do. He didn't. He interacted. He loved even when he was busy, when he was weary, when he's tired. He never said, I just need some me time. I just need some me time. You know when he went and took his me time? <whistles> Stay with me, some of you. He took his me time early in the morning. Why did he do that? You guys think that's some whole weird mystical time? Let's take it to human nature. Because then he could still be not wasting prime hours loving people. Some of you don't want to get up early, so you'd rather tell someone that you can't spend time with them because you've got to take me time because you don't want to really give up your me time, which is your sleep time. Right? These are just examples. They're not in my notes. But just love. Follow your leader. Truly do what he did. What did Jesus do? Guys, I really encourage you, if you're in this room in your weather, do me a favor. Go read a gospel. Walk with Jesus. We're going to be doing it as a series here soon, but walk with him. See what he did. And here's the crazy thing. I challenge you, dare you, encourage you, if you're a positive person, be a disciple and follow him. Follow the leader. He was able to keep moving while weary and not become weathered. And when we keep our eyes on Jesus, the waves seem smaller as we are reminded of how big our king is. He's big enough that death didn't hold him. Oof. I'm going to give you guys a key. If you're, not taking, if you're taking notes, anything else, I want to leave you with one thing. Okay? Hopefully you remember this verse. You can at least look back on it. But remember this. You ready? This is bolded in my notes. Sheena, isn't it? You can tell. Look at that. Bolded. I want them to say, here, I want you to listen. Here's the thing. Something, tree, rock, anything else building, can only be weathered if it doesn't move. Meaning, a tree or rock gets weathered because it stays in the same spot. It doesn't move. It doesn't take shelter. It just sits in the same spot. The key for us to not be weathered is to not stay the same. We have to be willing to move. Sometimes you can't change the weather around you, can you? You can't. You can't change the situation, the circumstances, what life brings. But here's the thing. If you can't change the circumstances, you have to change your position and or your perspective. If you can't change the circumstances, you have to change your position and perspective. You have to see it different. You have to move under the shelter of who? Oh, I don't know, the Most High. There's, I can give you a lot of things here. So let me ask you this. Are you just sitting? Are you feeling weary and beat down? She's going to play some music. Are you feeling weary and beat down, weak? Are you feeling worn down, eroded, weathered? Dusted and weathered? It's a song. Have you just sat down and resigned yourself to accepting your situation? Because you can't change the circumstances, right? You can't. Sometimes we can't. You can't change the weather around you. You know, that tree can't make the wind stop blowing. The tree can't make, you know, all the other trees come around it. The tree can't do anything about the weather. And so what ends up happening is because that tree can't move, what happens is the weather begins to change the tree. It begins to kill it and push it and change it and warp it and make it something that's not until it's what? Weathered and weary and dying and not thriving. 
Have you just sat down and resigned yourself to accepting your situation because you can't change the circumstances of the weather and so you feel like you just have to sit in it until you're finally, what, dust? Until you're eroded away to nothing? That is not what God has promised. I'm going to say that to you again. That is not the promise. He has not left you there. He's not given up on you, so listen to me. Do not give up on him. That's what so many people do. They just give up. They accept it. He's not coming. If you can't change the weather, then listen to me, friends. Go find some shelter. I don't want that to be a platitude. I want it to be real. God's told you what to do. Everybody, you know, sometimes people get mad at me because I stress community, but that's one of the ways God gives us shelter. He gives us his word. Right? He gives us all of these things at times that we got to cling to to have shelter. I got to get under it. can't change the circumstances around you then change positions move go somewhere else do something different do anything but stand there thinking that you're going to change the wind it's not going to happen the wind's going to change you God does not lie listen to me God does not lie What would it do if you just accepted that simple truth and applied it to your life? That God does not lie. Have you given up? Do you think he's not in the miracle game anymore? Huh? You think the God that split the Red Sea and let a boy kill a giant doesn't still move? Yes, he does. Nowhere in scripture does it say God doesn't move anymore. He is and he will and is going to come through. Will you be willing to walk in faith even when the wind is all around you? Faith is believing that your God is bigger than the wind, that he's bigger than the waves, that he's bigger than the storms, that God loves you and has called you his. Are you willing to let go of what? All of it. See, some of you got to let go of being your own savior. You are the tree. You're like, I don't need anything. I'm just stubborn. You're me. I'll just sit here, rooted. I got good roots. I'm going to sit here and take it. But I promise you, friends, that's not how it works. You are not God, neither am I. Sometimes letting go is letting go of your obsessive need to be your own Savior. Because you can trust yourself. That if God doesn't lie, that means God loves you and has called you his. Will you let go? Will you go to him? Not platitude. Listen to me. This this may seem weird. When I say go to him, what do you think in your mind? What is that? I bet for a lot of you it is a platitude. It's like I know I'm supposed to, but he doesn't really do anything. So blah, blah, blah. I'm gonna call. What if you actually believe that? What if you went to him like Jesus went in the Garden of Gethsemane and talked to him that way? real or it isn't don't lie to yourself 
you believe it's real, then do it, even when it doesn't seem like it makes any sense. None of this does. Faith is believing that God will give you strength when you're weak, that he will give you light when all seems dark, and that he will give you hope when all seems hopeless. Faith is believing that God will not leave you there to be weathered if you'll just follow him. If you're in this room today and you've been living your whole life, some of you, this is you. Some of you come here every week, and this is still you. You don't really live this. You don't really get it or you haven't let yourself. And so you're sitting like the tree. You might paint Christian on yourself, right? But you're still sitting there. I want to tell you about a God that still moves and a God that still saves. What is that? It's this. That God created everything and he made it perfect and he created us to live in it and rule in his name and just be in relationship with him. Be walking statues of his glory. That's it. That's really good news right there, right? Kings and queens of this earth ruling in the name of the high king. And he said, listen, you can do anything you want here and I've made this for you, but understand, I have to be God and you're not. That's the only thing. I will tell you what right and wrong is. That's the tree. Because they already knew what good was. I've said this before. How do I know? Because God said it was good. They wanted to know something else. What's evil? What is that? And so what happened is they did what you and I do every day and they rejected God and they decided to be their own God. They decided to set themselves above the most high. I will determine what right and wrong is. And so the creation was separated from the creator because we had sinned against God. A holy and just God cannot be in relationship with an unholy, unjust thing, right? It doesn't work. Water and oil. We were guilty. We were separated from God. And the thousands of years of human existence have shown us what? You've heard me say it before. I got this. I'm going to say, Todd, do you say that every time? I do. Because it might be somebody's first time. The thousands of years of human existence has shown us what happens when you and I think we know better than God. All you got to do is turn on the news. This world has become infected with sin. That's a disease. That's why we have disease. There was no disease when he created it. That's why we have death, all these things, because we want it our way, and so it's infected everything. And on top of that, we keep trying to what? Feel safe. And so what do we do? We hurt each other and we fight and we steal and we take and we murder and we kill. And we do all these things to try to feel safe when deep down we never do because we can only feel safe what? In relationship with our God. And that's where we were. And God tried to show us how lost we were. He said, okay, you you, you don't, you want your way back? Just do 10 things. Here's 10 things. These are 10 commandments. Just do them. We break them every day. You've broken some today. I've never murdered anyone, and now you understand when Jesus said, if you looked at your brother with hate in your heart, you have committed murder already. The standard is not a little bit. And so we were lost. We had no way to go home. We had a guilty penalty on us. We were going to die. We're dead. We just don't know it yet. That's hell. But God had a plan. God came down and sent his son, Jesus Christ. God made flesh. Jesus of Nazareth existed. He showed us how to live. He showed us what it was like in the kingdom, the way it was before we were silly, stupid, right? That's the truth. 
But he didn't just do that. That would have been cruel. He told us how to be. And then he restored us to the Father. He bridged the gap. How? He died for our sins. See, the Bible say that the wages of sin are death. That means you get what you deserve. So either we die or someone takes our place. That's how it worked. That's why all the sacrificial systems were meaning all throughout time and history, trying to show us. So Jesus died a horrible physical death and spiritual death. The Father turned his back on him. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me is what he said on the cross. The third day was raised from the dead. So on that cross, something really cool can happen. A divine transaction, stay with me. He can take all your sin, all your mistakes, all your brokenness, all of it. He will. He'll take it on the cross. He doesn't exist in time the way we see it. He did it once and for all. He, you give him your sin. You reverse Adam and Eve's decision, your decision. God, you are God. I'm sorry. He takes your sin and he gives you the benefits of his perfect life. That's it. The Bible says if you confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and raised from the dead, you will be saved. Period. If you're in this room today and you cannot say without a shadow of a doubt that Lord forbid you were to die tomorrow that you would be with God. Why would you leave? Why would you leave without knowing that? When all it is is the decision to stop trying to be a God that you're not good at being anyway. Whatever you do today, whether you're struggling with being weathered, God's still here and he loves you. Have hope. He's still here. There's people that are going to be up here willing to pray with you about any of the things you're going through. And if you're in this room and you don't know Jesus, I'll say it again. Why would you ever walk out this door? without having the peace and assurance of that. Whatever you do, don't leave the same as you came in because if you do, you're choosing to.